Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Michael McNutt with Weedy. This week's episode comes from our Privacy and Security Spotlight. We welcome Phil Bachnight, partner and chair of Cryptocurrency and Blockchain Task Force for Fisher & Phillips LLP. Today's moderator is John Kelly from Edifex, Weedy board member and vice chair of our education committee. Philip Bachnight is here. Uh, not only are we fortunate enough to have his experience and knowledge, um, he brings a tremendous amount of passion to the, the topic of blockchain. Um, and we're going to have a little conversation um, to take full advantage of that passion and, and knowledge and experience. Um, we've done at Weedy uh, a number of sessions over the last couple of years on blockchain. Um, Gartner had a very interesting uh, piece a while ago where they used the phrase healthcare has a lively and persistent fascination with blockchain. Um, I found that to be a very interesting description because I think it does. I haven't spoken to the four analysts who wrote the paper, but I think it does really capture uh, to some degree where we are. Um, you know, ever since uh, Estonia uh, a number of years ago, probably what, 2016, 2017, maybe a little bit earlier, um, converted their their entire their 1.3 million person population over to managing the security and privacy of their medical records with blockchain. Um, I think every vendor, in, you know, there's been hundreds of vendors pitching blockchain, all kinds of solutions to every payer, provider, and anybody who has a paycheck mm-hmm. uh, who writes a, who writes paychecks um, to uh, to sell solutions. And I think watching the Gartner hype cycle over the years, um, it's it truly has been a roller coaster with you know uh, irrational exuberance and troughs of despair and you know a couple of things on the slope of enlightenment. So speaking of enlightenment, Philip, I'm yeah. wondering if maybe you could level set people because I'm not sure people really know what you know i think we haven't even embraced blockchain and now suddenly we have to figure out what nfts are right yeah. so uh if you could talk a little bit about you know for this audience to help sure. them understand you know cut through the bs what what's the simple takeaway of what is blockchain and then you know a little bit what is what is blockchain in healthcare yeah so uh, i think you know starting from the beginning, the best way to explain blockchain is to think of it like a digital ledger. And some of you may be saying, okay, great, but I don't know what a digital ledger is. What does that mean? And I think the best way to answer that is to just think first about, well, what's a regular ledger, right? And a regular ledger is just a list of recorded transactions. So you're going to have, you know, in real life, you know, uh, you could have an example is a bank statement or an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, the difference here is that the ledger would be digital, so it's not some paper or other tangible product, right? Um, and so, if you have, like, let's say, a paper ledger or an Excel spreadsheet, uh, one of the one of the differences is that if you want to see a regular ledger, someone has to give you access to that ledger. Um, if you want to see a receipt that lists all the transactions, someone has to give you access to that. Here, with a blockchain, the ledger is digital, but it's also transparent. Um, which means that uh, anyone on the blockchain can see all the transactions because they're timestamped and because the tra- they're, they're timestamped on the blockchain, they're also immutable, uh, which means they can't be removed or altered. So taking it a step back, you, a blockchain is really think of it like the longest bank statement you could possibly imagine that's carved into digital granite. 
Uh, it's a digital record of all the transactions ever made within a given system and the data it holds uh, can't be changed or deleted. And so when you think about it from that perspective, and we'll talk about some of the specific examples in healthcare and the benefits uh, today, but when you think about it, uh, the one of the, the primary benefits is that in health for healthcare with that it would make falsifying information or engaging in fraud very very difficult, uh, and it also increases the authenticity and security of the information on the chain. So if we're going to think about medical records and things of that nature, um, if you have a technological system where all of uh, the transactions uh, or the data that moves from place to place is is, is um, can't can't be uh, you know it's very secure. Uh, it, it's very going to be difficult to falsify that information. And um, one of the bigger, one of the best benefits, because you're, you're because it's on the blockchain and it's transparent, you're removing the middleman, right? So if I need to transfer information from point A to point B, I don't have, whether it's an insurance processor or some type of other vendor uh, in the way having to run their own processes uh, before the information can move. So it helps to uh, authenticate transactions much faster, uh, which can help uh, reduce some of that, uh, you know, uh, transitional lag that you may have typically when dealing with large amounts of data and information and records that you're going to be moving around and trying to store um, in the healthcare setting. Thanks. That's um, a good start. Uh, I, I think we've got a, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with our constituents, but um you know, we've got a broad range of people. We've got some hardcore geeks in here. We've got a lot right. of business people, frontline EDI people. So I think that's that's a, a, a good step. Um, now, one of the things I think in, in my listening to the conversations about blockchain and healthcare over the years um, was that um, starting with, you know, the Estonia, I'm not sure how familiar you are. I'm guessing you have some familiarity with the Estonia um, uh, implementation of blockchain for medical records. Um, I find that one of the misconceptions is when you talk about the ledger and we in healthcare think about the problems we have about interoperability and electronic healthcare, um, a lot of people think about that implementation and some of the others that, well, we're storing all of the data, all of people's information in these distributed ledgers. Can you talk a little bit more specifically, because this is a privacy and security conference, about how, at least as I understand it, the focus of the use of blockchain in healthcare has a lot more to do with privacy and security than it does actually just storing, you know, like an Epic or a Cerner database, storing all the records, all the films, all the lab results, all that. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that specifically in healthcare, what some of these use cases are where blockchain is, 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 is zeroing in? Sure. And so, um, you know, I, I, well, taking a step back, I think you can you can decide how much the type of data that you want to have there. But from the security perspective, there are a lot of benefits um, that, you, that you can get from the blockchain and, and methods you can take. So, um, again, one of the concerns, uh, rightfully so, is that we're dealing with you know private he private health, personal health information. Right. We're dealing with medical records. Uh, if, there, if there's a blockchain that's decentralized. Um, how do we how do we reconcile that if it's transparent with all of this you know information that we want to keep private uh, and and, there, and there's a couple ways to do that um, well and, and so I think it's also helpful to talk about and we talked about um, I think it's helpful to talk about the different types of blockchains first right um, so you have what I was talking about before the, the permissionless blockchains where they're 
distributed and decentralized, right? And so what that means is that on an open source blockchain like Ethereum or Bitcoin or something like that, um, distributed means that there's multiple computers uh, that would all have a copy of the blockchain and all these copies would be in, in sync and consensus with each other. Uh, so that's that's what distributed means and decentralized means that anyone can access this. But what's happening uh, in healthcare uh, to deal with some of the issues that you're talking about is that there's companies and corporations uh, that are working to create uh, private blockchains or, what you, or, or consortium blockchains. So a private blockchain is um, where it's it's created uh, by it could be by an entity um, in Estonia it could be one of them uh, and but the difference is that you can still have it distributed amongst multiple computers but uh, it wouldn't be decentralized right it would be centralized meaning that you would have to have permission to access the blockchain so whoever runs that blockchain would have to provide you access to that uh, and what that does is that it allows you to know who's entering the blockchain who's managing the information and who you're interacting with. Uh, the pseudo anonymous nature of a decentralized blockchain uh, no longer exists. So by having uh, a permissioned blockchain, especially if you're gonna do a consortium type of blockchain, and what that means is where you would have potentially, you know, um, the primary uh, health healthcare doctors, the insurance providers, the benefits providers, uh, you know, x-ray tickets, all of those different entities working on the same blockchain. So you know who you're dealing with and that way you have an advanced level of security as it relates to uh, unknown actors potentially trying to access this private uh, information because uh, you'll have a centralized blockchain that serves almost as a gate uh, keeper. Um, now, from a security perspective, there are some potential drawbacks there because um, blockchains, generally speaking, one of the benefits of a decentralized blockchain from a security perspective as it relates to the information is because each uh, computer or node has a copy, uh, an individual copy of the blockchain. There's no one central point of attack, uh, as opposed to if you have a centralized blockchain, even if it could be distributed amongst multiple computers and multiple constituents uh, in that on that particular in that particular consortium. Um, there's there's more of a centralized point of attack because it's not decentralized and because there's a centralized point of authority, uh, a potential hacker would know where to go if they wanted to try and compromise the system. Uh, so those are the th those are some of the issues that you know in healthcare um, that that are being managed and juggled is determining what type of blockchain we want to have and what type of blockchain that we want to use. Right now, what we've seen uh, so far is, um, you know, focusing more on the permissioned uh, side, um, you know, and, and, and then, and then uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, some, of, some of the Gartner, uh, you know, dialogue as it relates to blockchains, um, you know, that's like the first stage in blockchains and they go through a list of how blockchains will evolve, can potentially evolve over time. And that's kind of the first stage of the blockchain use case utilization. Uh, but that, that's, those are some of the differences in how to manage and, and really focus on that. Um, security aspect just from the overall blockchain perspective. Do you'd like me to talk about some of the um, things that you can do on the blockchains to further security? And I'm happy to do that, but I just want to make sure that I'm answering the question uh, and also give time for additional questions in case I said something that may spark another question. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to keep it a little bit open-ended because I want to take full advantage of, of what, what you know and, and offer. We're just scratching the surface, I yeah. think, some of us here. Um, and, and I think part of that is, you know, in healthcare, 
the, the folks in this audience, we've been dealing with privacy and security of healthcare information and the storage and interoperability, you know, kind of ubiquitous access so patients can move around with their data. Yeah. Um, and we've been dealing with that to some degree on and off in many different ways for 25 years, you know, kind of more with traditional methods um, that, you know, for better or worse, seem to be working pretty well, especially around mm -hmm. privacy and security, right? Um, we're starting to, but with the new technology, we're starting to have new challenges, right? Uh, yeah. the, the earlier conversation about, you know, hacks and, and, and ransomware and whatnot. Um, and I think when what most people are familiar with with blockchain certainly is, uh, you know, crypto and, and, and um, uh, cyber currency. Um, and it seemed to be a nice fit. It kind of emerged from, from almost nowhere. It was a whole new kind of currency and banking system in the world. Um, healthcare is a little different and we're trying to figure out how to retrofit it, right? Where, yep. where how, do, how do we use blockchain to make things, you know, better, faster, cheaper? So I, I think we are, it'd be really helpful for this audience to understand some of the use cases that you're aware of, uh, yes. you know, you mentioned a little bit, um, you know, access, um, security, credentialing, um, you know, permissionings and consent, things like that. I'm wondering where you see why, you know, if, if good enough is good enough, why should we in this audience be thinking about blockchain? Yeah, no, listen, that, that's a great question. And, um, you know, uh, I think, I think before we even do that, and I'm going to answer that question, I think it's important for the audience to know, and you bring, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, when most people think of blockchain, um, they think of cryptocurrency, right? They think of tokens, they think of NFTs. Um, and, and I think when, 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 when looking into this and when I was really educating myself on this, it was really fascinating to see, um, you know, blockchain has been around for a long time. It's been around, you know, 20 years. Bitcoin was one of the first... Uh, known use cases, but the concept of blockchain technology existed before that. And what, what's important to know is that cryptocurrency cannot exist without blockchain, but blockchain can exist without cryptocurrency. Blockchain has its own unique set of, 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 of benefits and use cases, notwithstanding cryptocurrency. And so I think understanding that and knowing that, listen, we, you can be in healthcare and, and get benefits from this without having to understand Bitcoin or worrying about volatility and things of that nature. You don't even need to worry about this, get some of the use cases of the blockchain technology. So uh, with that as kind of the, uh, you know, setting the stage, I think it, it's, it's, it's helpful to understand that, listen, from the healthcare perspective, one of the, the largest challenges um, is, is, is secure storage and transfer of patient information, right? Transaction inefficiency is, is a huge problem. Uh, and one of the reasons is that in healthcare, even though you know good enough is good enough, but we still have siloed rep record keeping systems, right? Each, you know, you have insurance, you have each your primary care physician, you have your x-ray technician, you have all of these different um, entities that are required to speak to each other, um, but they do so in a way that has many drags and delays and that impacts the ability to provide uh, the care to patients that you want to provide, right? It can result in conflicting, ambiguous and incomplete records. Um, and this is especially true if you are using outdated and unsecured systems that aren't connected with the other systems. So again, if there's not that desired interoperability. So, you know, why, why does this matter? Well, oftentimes, um, you know, I can, I, speak, I can speak from experience. There's still times where patients are, are required to carry their, their medical information 
personally from, you know, from doctor to doctor, they may have to carry their own extras. They may have to bring certain information with them, uh, you know, and listen, that could lead to poor data handling. Uh, that certainly leads to in increased security risks, and it certainly could lead to inadvertent disclosures. Um, in addition, when we're talking about uh, the, the interoperability and the security, one of the things when you have this siloed approach is you're much more reliant on that particular entity and their employees to secure your information and make sure that it is uh, transferred uh, appropriately and safe safely. So, and I know there was just a ransomware, uh, you know, presentation and, and part of that, you know, ransomware, we deal with that as well at Fisher and Phillips uh, is that, you know, um, you, you provide that training, but not, you're relying on, you know, an administrative assistant or, or some or not, whoever the case may be. And if there is an emergency or you need to transfer inf information or get information, one, the information not be, may not be stored uh, electronically at all. And it may be stored in, in, in the back somewhere uh, in a bunch of red wells and someone has to, you know, get that information uh, and they may not have the same urgency to get it as the need requires. They may be having a bad day and, you know, OK, this information needs to move quickly and it has to go through these various checks. Well, you know, what if it what if you get the request on a Friday at three o'clock? Well, there's a good chance you may be that that patient may be waiting till Monday morning before even that that document collection even gets started before that it even gets processed. If you're what if you're still faxing information? Right. How, how secure is that? Uh, you know, and so, and again, there's many healthcare institutions, uh, they do still use faxes and they do transfer information uh, and hard copy and things of that nature. And, and again, so it's, it's not, and they store it in paper, uh, even if they have a, a, a digital copy, it's, it's just not um, that secure, um, you know, and then so using blockchain technology, uh, again, because you can, it, it you know, it's, it's, uh, everything is immutably immutably stored on the blockchain. Uh, you're not going to have the fraud issue, and it allows the owner of medical data to maintain privacy while providing a vehicle uh, for patients, doctors, and healthcare providers to secure that information rapidly and securely. And that's a big thing. Let's say there's an employee, uh, an individual uh, who needs chemotherapy, right? And and they need to get information. Um, from multiple sources and they need to have insurance run and they need to have, you know, uh, you know, certain prescriptions. Well, each of those things has an underlying uh, behind the scenes check of, of, of checks and balances that have to be run through before that information can be, uh, you know, provided. Uh, but if the information, so for example, you can store information on the blockchain and securely encrypt it. Uh, and what that means is that that information is there. Uh, and so if the patient were to, you know, allow, permit you uh, or provide you the necessary encryption key to access that information, the information is there. It's not here, over there, up there, around the corner. And everyone is trying to work for, to, to get it from one place to the other to, to bring it there. It's all right there. Uh, and that and that makes a big difference in terms of the ability. You know, it's, it's securely stored. It's encoded with a private key. But, you know, now the 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 use of blockchain technology, uh, you know, it gives a lot more control uh, to patients about their own records and in, while still ensuring the privacy um, without a central gatekeeper. And what that also does when we're talking about security is that can help reduce patient documentation errors and issues resulting from conflicting data among medical practitioners, which is a big issue uh, because, you know, if you, when you have patients, uh, they go to they go to multiple doctors, multiple healthcare practitioners. Um, the records don't always match up, or you send you know a, a, one healthcare 
entity could send it to insurance or somewhere else and the documents don't match up. And now there's more delay, right? Trying to get the patients the care that they need. And the more that you're shooting around documents, trying to figure out what's going on, you're then exposing yourself to more security risks uh, because this confidential and and private information is, is being sent out over and over and over again, as opposed to being able to be safely secured on the blockchain in one place uh, where again, it's accurate and it's it's accessed as necessary. And again, you can have encryption that it would allow the patient to only permit it to be provided uh, to the extent, to those that they determine need it. Uh, and I think that that is uh, very, very critical to understanding some of the benefits um, you know, that are, that are available. Another option is uh, you can use smart contracts, um, you know, with blockchain technology and smart contracts um, are essentially code. They're, they're code that says, if this happens, then that happens. So using it with blockchain technology, uh, you could set parameters that will only allow access to patient data in compliance with the patient's consent policy. And that, again, when we're talking about security and privacy, that, again, is a way to um, really protect the the information and the data that we're talking about. So what it can do is it creates, uh, has the potential to create a single system uh, for secure and constantly updated health records that can be quick, that quickly can quickly uh, be accessed and retrieved by authorized users. Uh, So again, those are just some of uh, you know, the the examples, um, you know, from, from a security perspective, another, um, Quite honestly, another way that you could do this, and, and when you talked about NFTs, uh, you could, it, you, you know, and I, you know, this is probably still in the works, but it's possible. And I think one thing that we need to remember um, about blockchain technology is you're really only limited by your imagination. Just because a solution doesn't exist yet doesn't mean it won't exist. And it's about it's just really waiting for someone to 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 utilize the technology that's out there to make it exist. And so, if you're looking at NFTs. And NFTs are um, essentially information stored on the blockchain that represents that it's unique. So NFT is a non-fungible token. And the difference between fungible and non-fungible just means fungible is something that one is like the other. So if I have $10 bills, um, each one is worth a dollar. But if I give you $2 bills, two singles, and then take it back and give you two other two other singles, they're exactly the same. They're fungible. Uh, something non-fungible would be something like the deed to your house. If I take away the deed to your house and give you someone else's deed, it, it doesn't provide the value. You're like, listen, that's not the deed to my house. Uh, and so that, that would be something that's non-fungible. Or if I had gold bars, which are fungible, if Michael Jordan signed 10 of them, those 10 bars are now non-fungible because each of those bars uh, is specific and unique and different than the rest of the gold bars. And so that's just the difference between fungible and non-fungible. But in the digital space with uh, NFTs, uh, what you could do is create tokens, right? Tokens for the medical history, right? And their their tokens, they'd be secured because the patient would have access to them. But rather now than, you know, having all this medical information out there, you could have a complete set of medical information. And then the patient... Uh, would be able to send medical history quickly and easily to institutions of their choosing rather than having to wait for a records request or having to go to each place and complete this to complete this repetitive uh, paperwork over and over and over again. And so those are just ways we are talking about the potential for NFTs, smart contracts, 
and blockchain technology on its own, um, there's there's the, the you know through through encryption and, and uh, things of that nature. Those are just three rays right there where we've enhanced the security and protection of the data. Uh, we've allowed the you know the uh, the patient to have more control of their information uh, um, while maintaining the security while also removing the delays uh, that um, you know slow down the system and that, that 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 delay patient care. So if you're looking at healthcare, why would I do this? Um, you know, the way I kind of look at it is why, why, why not? If the system that you have now um, can result in ex- exposure, uh, you know, increased security risks, um, potential for privacy information uh, to, to be accessed by those that you don't want it to be accessed to, um, when you have these operational efficiencies, that results in uh, more time, more money, more administrative costs being used to rectify the process and, and get your results. If you can remove all of that, you get a better healthcare system. Uh, you put the patient back in control, but you also um, you 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 create more uh, revenue and profit for the overall healthcare process because you're removing uh, the friction and you're removing the clutter. So that that that's certainly the promise, um, and and I think um, people really do need to that purpose of doing this. We we need to know a little more to understand. So. Yeah, there's the upside. What's the downside? One of the things that has popped up in a couple of these questions here, you know, you use the word immutable um, and, you know, you put it, put it within the context of security and access. You also mentioned that, you know, we have incorrect information in the system and sometimes, you know, a record looks one way here and another way somewhere else. But when people hear the word immutable, um, and distributed ledgers, they think, well, what happens if bad information gets entered? How does it get corrected? Is there is there a facility within blockchain to recognize and, and then update the chain, even though it's, quote unquote, immutable? Right. And, and so, you know, listen, that is one of the, um, you know, the, the potential things that you'll have you would have to think about, because, you know, if you're talking about a decentralized blockchain, once it's on the blockchain, um, it's there. There's no, you know, there's there's no take backs, right? Once it's there, that's recorded as timestamp. Uh, you could have an updated transaction later on the blockchain, um, you know, that that has an updated updated information. And, and so again, you're right. Um, if there's a mistake in the records, that mistake is there. Now you can have a new entry later uh, that has you know updated and correct information, and that's one way to do that. Certainly. But, you know, that's that's one of the potential drawbacks of the technology is that, you know, you need to it needs it needs to be correct. But, you know, if you are doing things, uh, you know, you know, I say, you know, uh, measure twice, cut once. If you're taking the time to make sure the information is correct the first time because, you know, it's going to be immutable, there's going to be, you know, arguably less chance for rushing, less time for just blowing through things uh, or or, or speeding through things, uh, you know, because you know you can just redo it over, uh, but although that doesn't often happen, uh, but you know, so if you if you know that you have to take your time and make sure it's right because it's going to be there, then you know one 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 could think that you you could do that, uh, and then if you do that and it and it's secure there, uh, then you 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 help to potentially reduce a lot of the, the risk of the conflicts. Again, if you have to update information, that would be a new entry, but um, you know that that is that is that is how the blockchain works. There is okay. no, yeah, no, that, know, customer that, customer service uh, on on a decentralized blockchain. To, uh, if, if there's if there's an error, but 
uh, if you are dealing with a, uh, you know, a private blockchain or a consortium blockchain, um, you know, while it still would be immutable, there may be other options or, 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 or you know, uh, resources to, to deal with errors or mistakes. No, thank you. That That's that. I mean, I think we're familiar with that concept. I mean, everybody knows what a what a bank ledger looks like. Right. Nobody erases. Nobody takes an eraser to a bank ledger. Right. You do an update and whatnot. So I think that's that's a good response to a couple of the questions that came up um, kind of in line with that, though, um, when you think about banking or finance and, and we're familiar even in healthcare with claims transactions. Right. And, you know, for people who know the EDI claims transactions and whatnot, they're fairly sparse, right? When you think of the grand scheme of things, the amount of data that's captured related to the claim, even though there are very long claims, is relatively small compared to the amount of data that's captured in, in patients. I mean, when they look at the totality of data uh, of a patient's record that might go back 30 or more years, we're talking about huge volumes of data, some of it images, you know, all kinds of. So the size and scope of the data is much bigger. Yep. Do you see that if we're trying to be granular uh, and take full advantage of blockchain, blockchain with granularity, that the scope and size of the data in healthcare might uh, make it a little more problematic than just, you know, doing kind of financial world type transactions? Uh, you know, I, I think data storage is a potential issue. I do. Uh, because as you mentioned, you know, listen, the data in healthcare is, is voluminous uh, and that could uh, impact the functionality of the blockchain. And then if you have all this data on a blockchain, um, you know, and then all of a sudden there's a network slowdown, uh, it would it could certainly prevent an, an obstacle to this mass adoption in the healthcare industry. And so determining how to deal with large data storage without negatively impacting the blockchain uh, is an area that there be there need to further there need to be further evaluation, but uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean that it's not um, doable. Uh, and I and I think it would depend on the nature of the blockchain. Uh, and because you know there's blockchains um, even now there's different blockchains that trans, that process different um, amounts of transactions per second, even in the public space. And so it's certainly viable that, you know, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that you would do this on a public blockchain, but, you know, for example, Bitcoin has really low transactions, right? It, it's very slow at processing transactions, whereas something like uh, Solana, you can pro process, you know, um, on the Solana blockchain, you can uh, process transactions of many, many more per second. And that's not to say you would want to do it on a public blockchain um, for the other reasons we talked about. But what it means is that it's very possible that, you know, you could that could be an evaluation for later or if you at least in the initial stage you could there could be a private blockchain uh that focuses you know more on transaction speed and less on uh you know um security from a decentralization aspect and in fact you wouldn't be dealing with the much decentralization um you know in a private blockchain anyway because there would be that centralized authority and if you're not dedicating resources to, to uh, decentralization, then, you know, it's very possible that you could be focusing more of the, the bandwidth, uh, so to speak, on the blockchain uh, to transactions and data and data processing and storage. Uh, and so, you know, there's 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 many options out there that I, that I think will continue to come over time. Again, and I only use uh, public blockchains as an example uh, is that if you look, for example, at Ethereum, um, you know, Ethereum, one of the challenges they're having or that they're working on is scaling. Uh, and what that means is 
they wanted to be able to do more on the blockchain. And there's been uh, examples where they've stacked what are called layer twos on the initial uh, layer one blockchain. And the, the first layer focuses on uh, you know decentralization and security, while the layer twos would settle back down into Ethereum and focus on the speed and transaction. So that's not to say um, that if that can be done on Ethereum, that it couldn't be done on another blockchain or another private blockchain. And so I wouldn't say just because it doesn't exist now doesn't mean that it won't exist soon or later. And especially, as you all know, uh, there's many, uh, you know, uh, in the healthcare space, there's blockchain healthcare and, there's, and they're working on solutions or working on ways to na navigate and manage these issues, which you're talking about. Uh, and so, you know, to say that, you know, um, hey, we have a lot of data you know, just to scrap it. Um, you know, I think I think you could you could say it's a challenge, and, and I, I certainly say it's an implementation challenge now. But you know, uh, if you look at even where some of the use cases of blockchain technology were a year ago to now, uh, it, it moves pretty. You know, there's a lot being done, um, and in the blockchain and healthcare space, there's a lot of work being done to evaluate ways to uh, derive the, the you know the benefits of blockchain. So I think that. Um, Certainly uh, an issue, but I, I wouldn't say that it's an issue that is not being looked at or can't be can't be solved. So uh, you, you mentioned a little bit there. There are stuff. There's things going on. I've heard about provider credentialing. I've heard a little bit about consent management. It seems to be exciting for some. Where are you seeing? You know, are the EHR vendors, for example, or the payers? Are you where in healthcare are you seeing actual real things happening? And if you do have any decent examples, um, maybe walk us through uh, as much as you can like so how does that actually work so i think i think i think the way it works is is, is what there's you know there's been um consortium blockchains and that seems to be the biggest uh you know thing uh that that's happening that you know there's you know there's uh companies that certainly have it i can't think of them off the top of my head i was actually looking at a bunch of them uh just yesterday just to to make sure that you know they're still working on these things and they are so i I should have taken notes of the different companies, I suppose. Uh, but one thing that I've seen is the consortium blockchain where you'll have how it would work is that you could have, let's say, uh, your insurance, uh, your benefits, your, um, you know, your, your hospital. And so, you know, you can if there's a claim, the claim would be processed by insurance uh, or, or the benefits, then, you know, they pass it over, you know, to you would all be able to access the blockchain as necessary to to deal to get that information uh, as necessary to process a claim or to get the information or determine, uh, you know, like, for example, an example would be prescription. You write a prescription, um, you know, in order before you can get the prescription, you have to make sure that, you know, CVS or wherever has the uh, the drug that's there, you know. And then on top of that, then you may have to have a connection with benefits to make sure uh, that this person's uh, benefits allow them to be covered for this drug. Uh, and then, you know, the a doctor that writes the prescription would have to, to, to get that over. And there may be a background check or some pr procedures going on behind the scenes uh, to deal with uh, managing and processing the script. Um, you know, but ideally what you want is when that happens, by the time you get to, to your, to your pharmacy, that's all been taken care of. Um, and you can pick up your prescription. Uh, as we know, many times that's not the case, you know, you end up having to wait and wait and wait um, you know, or you, you get the generic one because they didn't have the one that was actually prescribed to you. Uh, and again, that that's that's frustration, frustrating for the patient. And so if you have these consortium blockchains where the different parts of the healthcare process are willing to work together, uh, that's what I've seen. And again, it, that's not to say that everyone is doing this, um, you know, um, but that that is that is 
um, where, where, where I've seen it the most and where I've read about it the most is in seeing these, these consortiums where you'll have the different constituents that make up the healthcare chain uh, that are going to need to talk to each other and going to need to work to each other. Um, they're, they're doing that. And, you know, listen, one of the, one of the challenges, I think, you know, one of the, one of the other biggest challenges is um, getting, getting buy-in. What is, what is the right incentive uh, to get the different constituents in the healthcare uh, you know, industry to, to want to be on the same blockchain, to want to do this. Because, you know, if you have a hospital, which is an example that wants to uh, utilize blockchain technology, but no one else is there, uh, you still don't have the interoperability you need, right? You're there and no one else is there. Even if the patient's data is there, um, it's, it's limited simply because there's no one else that, that can access this data. Uh, so I think looking at the proper seeing what will incentivize uh, the necessary parties and the necessary players to want to utilize blockchain technology and getting that, that buy-in, I think is, is really um, that, that is even more so than the data storage and all that. Uh, I think it is, is, you know, that that's going to be the issue because um, you know, there's been limited innovation in healthcare uh, from that, from that side, again, we're talking about medicine, tons of innovation, but in terms of data storage and management uh, and, and trans, transferability, um, kind of it's doing a lot of things the same way we've done them, um, which is okay. Uh, but, you know, some, there's, you know, it's like, well, if I've been doing this and it works good enough, why would I change like you alluded to? And I think getting the buy-in and seeing the bigger picture and the options there, um, you know, and, and determining the, the proper things that would incentivize people to, to do this uh, is, is, is really the biggest challenge uh, for, for blockchain adoption in healthcare. Well, well, one of the things, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive to say it, but um, in healthcare, we are highly regulated. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of innovation literally in the last 18 to 24 months that happened because regulation came out and said, you know, as part of interoperability, we're going to use certain standards called FHIR. Um, and there was huge investment, both private and public, to make that happen. Um, one of the areas that they're still wrestling with is this notion of consent management, which I've heard pop up a lot with blockchain, you know, that the idea that I'm a, I'm a patient, my records sit in a couple of locations and I want to um, have, you know, my my spouse, m- my PCP and three specialists be have I, I want to give consent. Can do you have you explored this all? Do you have any idea of like how would that work in blockchain where I I I offer consent, I record consent somehow, and then somehow they're all available. They they all know that they they can have access and then get access to the data. Is that anything that you've seen or envisioned anywhere in healthcare? Yeah, well, there's I, I I've seen that um not I've I've seen I've seen that concept in, in the concept of so you can you what you would use is you probably use smart contracts, right? You use smart contracts uh, combined in theory with oracles. And so with a smart contract, it's code that if then that happens. And so um, what you would need is you would need an oracle that that's a, that's a technology that provides outs, provides the blockchain outside information. And so if you're trying to have certain events happen based on real life events, the only way, because a blockchain is insulated, it doesn't know what happens outside of that blockchain. Uh, you you could have Oracle networks that would feed uh, the blockchain and the smart contract information. And so when X event occurred, when X happens, then Y would happen. And so what I've seen is examples of there's new technology. So um, 
if, if, you, if you passed away and you had crypto, what happens to your crypto? Well, uh, you could use this this kind of setup that, you know, um, they, they would have, you know, uh, you know, user IDs and things of that nature. And then when, you know, information was provided to the blockchain indicating that, you know, someone passed away, the smart contract would activate and that information would automatically, or in this case, the tokens in my example would go to those individuals. And so that way they would have the tokens as as essentially be a a digital uh, crypto will, so to speak, to make sure that that information is passed along. And so uh, if you, if you're needing consent or you're needing things of that nature, uh, which is essentially outside information uh, that smart contracts combined with oracles would be a way uh, that you can, you could pass that consent along. So if we do decide, I mean, and a lot of people out here are thinking they're on the fence. Some of them are purchasers. Some of them are, are deciders. Um, what are some of the challenges? If we, if we want to flip over to blockchain, what are some of the implementation challenges we really should be thinking about? Well, the first one is you're going to have to decide what type of blockchain you want to use, uh, you know, whether it's permissionless or, or, or permissions, i.e. public versus private, uh, you know, um, given that, you're going to be dealing with a lot of sensitive uh, patient data. You're going to first need to consider what time of blockchain is best for operations. And that is, is an evaluation on its own. Uh, next is depending on what type of blockchain you need, you use, uh, you need to understand that it's, it's not a do it yourself field. Um, you're going to need assistance from it professionals trained and certified in the technology uh, and the particular challenges that exist in this setting. So that those are two those are two big things. Number number you know one and two. Uh, another one is you're going to have to evaluate. Uh, you know, and, and this is still developing. Is is to the, what extent would HIPAA uh, play play a role in the storage of, of private patient data on if you're using a decentralized network, which is designed to be transparent. Um, you know, there's an argument that storage of the private patient data on a public blockchain uh, presents a risk of data being exposed. Now, again, there's ways that you could arguably uh, minimize or mitigate that risk through encryption, through tokens, um, you know, but that that is certainly out there. Then on the alternative, you may, again, try the permission side. But I think evaluating the type of blockchain, evaluating um, what you would use it for, um, because, you know, if you're if you're just trying to use it solely for data storage, uh, you know, I think I think sometimes what happens uh, and, and if you've alluded to it is that, you know, it's, it's a very big thing. Uh, you know, people are talking about blockchain technology. So some companies try and do it simply because they think it's the thing to do or it gives them a, you know, first mover advantage or it's something it gives them it gives them an edge up. Uh, but you have to think about the benefits of the technology and what you're trying to to, to gain from it and how it can best serve your operations. Because it, it, just because blockchain technology is new and innovative and provo- provides a lot of benefits, if it's not providing benefits to you that you can't get somewhere else uh, that may be safer or cheaper for other reasons, uh, then it may not be, uh, you know, the technology, the decision you need to make at that time. And so I think having a realistic, um, a realistic decision about why, what you want to use the technology for, um, is also very, very important. So it sounds like um, you're to some degree validating Gardner's perception that it is, what was their words? Um, it, it, we have a lively and persistent fascination, but that I think, you know, to, to take that further, it sounds like 
if I was asking you, is blockchain a good fit for healthcare? You would say it depends on the use case and, and what the goals are. Is that, is that fair? Um, I, 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 I think it is. I, I actually do think it is a good, I think it is. Um, but each, each situation is different. So, I, you know, I mean, I think in all things, it's going to depend on, is it good for me? Well, it depends what I want to do with it. Uh, but I think overall, given some of the, the issues and, and the challenges that are present, I do think the technology could provide many benefits. Okay, excellent. Well, that is bringing us right up pretty much on the hour here. Um, Philip, I want to thank you very much. It's been thank fascinating. You. I think you've helped walk us slowly along the trail of, of understanding what blockchain is and, and what it isn't. So yep. um, we appreciate your contribution and uh, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll be coming back to you with, so to, to go to Blockchain 201 next time. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I right, have a great day, everybody. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe.